Hello and welcome to the June 27th, 2019 edition of the Inside the Post-Dispatch podcast, the podcast that takes you into our newsroom here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Bryce Gray, and I'm joined by my colleagues Robert Patrick and Beth O'Malley for a conversation about the recently concluded case of Pamela Hupp, a St. Charles County woman who, as of last week, will now spend life in prison for the 2016 murder of a mentally disabled man. But the saga surrounding Hupp also includes ties and unanswered questions revolving around a 2011 murder of one of her friends and a 2013 death of Hupp's mother, which was ruled an accident at the time, but is now being reinvestigated. Before we start, a quick reminder that all our podcasts can be found online at stltoday.com slash podcast. Robert and Beth, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. It's my first podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad you could join in. Uh, hopefully this is a, a, I guess, significant enough occasion for it here. I know you've followed this case, uh, you know, with, uh, well, you've... Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been interested in this case. I think a lot of our mm-hmm. readers are really interested in it from uh, Russ Faria being convicted, um, being like, it's the fourth motion to have a new trial that was well, I, uh, accepted. I guess, <laughs> so this is probably going to be the most challenging question here, but it's such a dizzying case that, uh, you know, boiling it down into you know, oh, yeah. an elevator speech is uh, no small feat, but I was wondering, Robert, since you've covered this, you know, for years here, have you uh, artfully honed your <laughs> Pam Hupp elevator speech or, uh, you know, boil- boilerplate chunk of background context to bring, uh, you know, listeners up to speed with everything, I guess? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a complex case because mm-hmm. the the guilty plea last week, you know, what prosecutors, she didn't admit anything, really. She didn't mm-hmm. say, this is what I did. She said, this is what I believe prosecutors can prove. And what they think is she killed someone in cold blood. She killed a 33-year-old man in cold blood in order to sort of divert attention from herself mm-hmm. in the reinvestigation of this 2011 murder that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in order to, and I think this is a, a difficulty that prosecutors face as well, in order to explain the 2016 shooting of Lewis Gumpenberg, you have, Gumpenberger, you have to go back to 2011 and talk about the death of her friend. Mm-hmm. And so in yeah. that case, um, Betsy Faria was stabbed to death one night in her home, uh, her husband, Russell Faria, uh, he goes by Russ Faria, uh, came home, found her stabbed, uh, called 911, um, you know, eventually goes to trial. The Lincoln County prosecutor um, tried to say that his alibi was, wasn't a good alibi because everybody else who was at this game night was lying about his presence there. Uh, the judge would not allow his defense attorney to present evidence or an alternate suspect, essentially, um, which his defense attorney would have argued was Pam Hupp. Um, so Russell Faria was convicted. His defense attorneys made a motion for a new trial, mm-hmm. and that trial was granted. In the new trial, he was exonerated, uh, found not guilty. So then... Then a little bit later, uh, in 2016, um, Louis Gumpenberger is shot and killed in Pamela Hupp's home. And she was on 911 at the time of the shooting, and 
so they had the 911 tape. They had surveillance tapes. As the St. Charles County prosecutor, Tim Lomar, said, it was there was a lot of evidence, but eventually it all pointed to Pam Hupp uh, messing up. And so Hupp did say, I can't, I didn't, she didn't say that she did it, but she said, you have the evidence to prove that I could do it, that I had mm-hmm. done it. Well, I guess, uh, so in the wake of uh, the court proceedings just last week, I'm curious, is the story officially over? Does Hupp just go off to prison and we'll never hear about her again? Or with, uh, you know, some of these loose ends still in play, potentially, um, you know, tied to these other deaths uh, surrounding people close to her. Uh, is she going to remain in the spotlight? The um, She'll be officially sentenced August 12th. Okay. There's, there, you know, the conviction is first-degree murder and armed criminal action, and the only sentence um, other than the death penalty is uh, life without parole. So it's sort of, I, I don't, I have not heard that there will be any victim impact statements or anything like that at, at the August sentencing. So She'll get sentenced. She'll go to prison. You know, that will be it for the Lewis Gumpenberger case. Um, subsequent to her plea, uh, the new Saint, uh, sorry, the new Lincoln County prosecutor has, has reopened the Betsy Faria case. Um, I should note that since Russ Faria's first trial, the judge in that case has been replaced and the prosecutor's been replaced. Both were voted out of office. Um, so the new prosecutor is going gonna, is gonna to reopen the case. He said the other day, he said last week he had, I think, six or seven boxes delivered to his office the same day that, um, evidence boxes the same day that she uh, entered her plea. Um, Pam's mother's death was being reinvestigated, but I think, I think that enough time has passed and um, perhaps initially, since it was believed to be an accident, um, there may not be a lot to go on there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Pam's mother died between Betsy Faria's death and Louis Gumpenberger's death, and it was ruled at that time to be an accident. She apparently fell from a balcony at yeah. her um, assisted living facility. Right. It's in um, it's in Fenton or just south of Fenton, and she somehow went through or over a railing there and um, and died because of that fall. Uh, Pam was the last person known to see her alive, but said that she left, you know, kind of the night before she died. Um, but it was, I think there were some concerns from investigators because Pam was the last person to see um, three people alive. You know, Betsy Faria that we know of, her mom, and Louis Gumpenberger. Uh, and that, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least with Betsy Faria and with her mother, she was a, a beneficiary of uh, their life insurance policies. Is that correct? Yeah. She, <clears throat> shortly before her death, Betsy had changed one of her life insurance policies, naming Pam. And one of Betsy's other friends said that she wanted, she believed that, that Betsy wanted Pam to provide for her two daughters because she thought that Russ would kind of fritter away the money. And so the so I believe the plan was supposed to be that Pam would kind of parcel out the money um, at various milestones in the girls' lives. Um, now that, that life insurance policy resulted in a lawsuit from the girls against Pam that, that the girls lost, the, da- the daughters lost. 
Uh, Russ also sued the insurance company saying, you know, that there was fraud in this, you know, the, the, that this, this was fraudulently changed over because I think it was in the, I think it was in the mail when Betsy mm-hmm. died. I mean, the, 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 the it documents. It happened very did, close right. to her, mm-hmm. her death. Mm-hmm. Right. Huh. It, it's kind of one of those cases where it, it's like when you're telling someone the story, you say, and then, <laughs> and then, so many times, there are so many twists to it. And I think that's one thing that our readers really were fascinated by. And frankly, I was fascinated by it because, you know, I, I've never been the last person to see somebody before they've died. And that was a point that we brought up in the newsroom when we were considering, you know, do we even mention her mother's death? It was ruled an accident, and yet she was the last person to have seen her alive. So what do we do with this information that commenters on our site were saying, you know, she was also, the, her mother died, and that was a little strange. And um, and it is important to note that Pam Hupp has not been charged in either of uh, mm-hmm. Bessie Faria's death or her mother's death. And yet she was the last person to see them alive. And, and, and she has denied. I mean, I've had brief conversations with her before, before Louis Gumpenberger was shot, and she's denied any role in Betsy's death. So it's important mm-hmm. to say that. Yeah. Um, and yet Tim Lomar points out that his case was so, that these three incidents are so, seem so related. Uh, and in his prosecution, he had to be very careful to focus on Louis Gumpenberger's death and how he would present that to a jury. Uh, at one point, the defense attorneys for Pam Hupp said, we don't want any uh, mention of Betsy Faria at all. And so that was really interesting because if the judge had ruled for them, suddenly you have no motive, essentially, for Louis Gumpenberger's death. Uh, so that was an interesting motion to take, and I, I was intrigued by how the prosecutor would have handled it. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's like every twist in this case brings up new questions. And, and there's also the, you know, there's the issue of what she is accused of doing with Lewis. I mean, there are two other people who told investigators that she approached them six days before she shot Lewis. And so one of the things that's always fascinated me about this is under their theory, she was cruising the roads of St. Charles County looking for someone who was gullible enough to get in the car with her. I mean, and then And then take them to some place and kill them and try to pin it on Russ Faria. And I mean, that is, you talk about cold-blooded. That is beyond cold-blooded. Just, she apparently went shopping at... Um, you know, a, a grocery store, Dollar, Dollar Tree, Dollar Tree yeah. and bought trash bags and a knife. So at some point in her mind, she was like, oh, you know, I, ne- I need more trash bags and I need to pick up the knife that I'm going to give to the person that I'm going to shoot in order to possibly frame someone. I, it's it's just such an odd thing. Uh, Tim Lomar described it as a murder plot planned by a, a middle schooler. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that is just, I cannot imagine that type of, of thought process. And then, um, yeah, it's, and then the person she picked happened to be uh, a person who had a traumatic brain injury from a car accident who was physically incapable of doing some of the things that she uh, said that he was doing. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, the uh, you can hear a portion of the 911 call on our website um, mm-hmm. uh, that's attached to the story that discusses her plea. And, you know, maybe perhaps we are, perhaps it's easy in retrospect to look back and say, oh, that doesn't sound like, you know, that's not very yeah. good acting. But, but when oh you listen man. to it, it doesn't sound like very mm-hmm. good acting. It, yeah. I, the... There's some banging noises, and you can almost hear even Pam Hupp kind of reading off a piece of paper. I don't know mm-hmm. that's if that's what that's she was what it doing, sounds like. but that's what it sounds like. It right. sounds like somebody reading off a piece of paper. Yeah, not yeah. the most convincing calls for help that she keeps repeating, basically. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, one of the other women who was, uh, one of the other people who was a target of Pam Hupp, who, you know, she pulled up, she she pulled past, past this woman's um, home in a trailer park and eventually got her to get in and, and everything else with this story about being a Dateline producer. And she thinks that Pam just thought she was smarter than everybody else and that she could she could pull this off. But it was, you know, imagine, I always thought, imagine if she had, if she had, you know, gotten somebody who had just arrived from some overseas trip or something and had no ability, you know, they came in, they came in the country from six months, you know, uh, I don't know, study abroad or something. So they wouldn't have been able to coordinate this kidnap. I mean, there were so many things that could have gone wrong with this. And there, mm-hmm. there were things that did go wrong right. with it. Um, you know, there, she, the woman that you were talking about who previously got in her car had a surveillance camera on her house, perfectly pointed at her driveway, and Pam Hupp pulled into the driveway so not only do you see her entire car, but you see her license plate very clearly. Um, you see a blonde woman sitting in a seat, and Pam Hupp at the time was a, a blonde woman. So it, it's it's very clear. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. we couldn't see it on the on the versions of the tape that they played after her plea, but apparently her 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 face is very visible. She's recognizable mm-hmm. in stills from this from this video, as is her license plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and her neighbors had surveillance cameras uh, the, as well? Oh, uh, the Rusperia was living with his mom at that point, and, okay. and the mother's neighbor had surveillance cameras, so she, um, so the neighbor was able to see, on the neighbor's surveillance camera, you were able to see Pam Hupp kind of cruising the house. because, mm-hmm. and, and I guess that's important because in the supposed kidnapping note, there's reference mm-hmm. to they were supposed to put the money in Mama Faria's woodpile. Right. And it's something. not even a kidnapping mm-hmm. note. It's like a to-do list. Right, right. I'm sorry. Yes. Number the one. Kidnap instructions. Right. Is Number one, get money. Right, <laughs> right. Get <laughs> Russ's money. I get think. Russ's money. Uh, right. mm-hmm. um, but it, and, and even during the sentencing hearing, uh, or I'm sorry, not the sentencing hearing, when she entered her, her, her plea, which is technically called an Alfred plea, mm-hmm. um, it was, it, it, sentencing hearing, or, <laughs> plea hearings are very kind of pro forma. There's certain mm-hmm. questions that are asked, and the the judge goes down the list and asks these questions. And Pam Hupp, to, to me, seemed impatient during this entire hearing. She was kind of swiveling in her chair a bit and playing with her, her lips and her, her mouth and um, reacting to questions very... I wouldn't say strangely, but with some impatience at times. Yeah, and she seemed really reluctant to actually pull the trigger on this plea. I mean, it you know, it was almost, there was always a pause when the judge, the judge asked her several times if she wanted to go ahead with it, and there would always be a pause, and her, one of her lawyers would kind of nod and almost mouth the words for her, 
um, huh. because I think, yeah, you know, and, and the prosecutor, Tim Lomar, said this afterwards. He thinks that she never would have done a traditional plea where the prosecutor says, well, you know, uh, had this matter gone to trial, we would have proven yada, yada, yada. And, and she would have been asked, you know, is that mm-hmm. what happened in this case? So she would have had to ad- had to have admitted explicitly that she did all these things. And Tim Lomar says he doesn't think she ever would do that. Uh-huh. And can you remind us uh, the significance of this Alford plea, I guess? Uh, just summarize yeah. it briefly. Yeah, it's named after a Supreme Court case, but it's basically you're not saying I did it. You're saying the prosecutors have enough evidence to prove mm-hmm. to, you know, to prove beyond a reasonable doubt you know so i think i think they could prove the case against me but i'm not going to say that i did all these things yeah and i I guess to circle back to again all these uh these multiple attempts to find someone who could you know potentially be used in this uh this plot to to frame someone um uh was pam hub's paranoia i guess you could say justified here you know if she uh um, you know, hadn't, uh, you know, found Gumpenberger, for instance, uh, you know, in this scheme to uh, bring suspicion back to, to Faria, to Russ Faria, um, you know, might she have, I don't know, uh, evaded, uh, you know, extra attention if she had not stirred anything up? Or, uh, you know, is there an indication, I guess, that... Uh, uh, the attention of investigators, I guess, would have pivoted back around to her? I, I, I'm not sure. I, and Robert may know more about this, but that to me is a, kind of a key question. What was it that Pam Hupp saw in her in her interactions with others that made her think, you know what I need to do? I need to go find someone and frame Russ Faria. Mm-hmm. Uh, for trying to kidnap me and steal back the money, yeah, and that I, I don't, I don't know. And, well, and after Faria, I should add, was he was acquitted in 2015. So at this point, when uh, Gumpenberger was killed, uh, Faria was out of prison for. He, he was out of prison. Yeah. His trial was mm-hmm. over. Uh, I think that Lincoln County was already reinvestigating. Or well, that's the next I thing mean, I was going to ask about. Yeah, that's a good question mm-hmm. because after. After Russ Ferrio was acquitted, there was discussion. Mm-hmm. You know, his lawyer had talked to the U.S. Attorney's Office and said, "Look, you guys got to look at this case because the Lincoln County prosecutor was still in office, and when he was acquitted, I, I don't, I don't think that she was. I think she was convinced that they had gotten the right guy and all along. Mm-hmm. I think she explicitly mm-hmm. said that. So, the U.S. Attorney's Office there was a there's a federal prosecutor there who's kind of a, a cold case guy and you know, spends years on things, and uh, including murders. And he was the person that was assigned to this, but I don't think, I don't know that he was necessarily convinced that Russ wasn't mm-hmm. uh, the killer of his wife. So I, I think it was not a very fast-paced investigation. I don't think it was super aggressive at that point. I think it was kind of collecting information. Um, you know, I, I believe that there, I, I think there are some questions about the extent of Pam Hupp's knowledge about any investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly there had been discussions, you know, certainly we had reported things about, you know, the U.S. attorney had said to us, you know, I, I'm going to talk to mm-hmm. Russ Faria's lawyer and the prosecutor and kind of see see things. But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like somebody was breathing down her neck. 
Um, now, when she when she was charged with killing Louis Gumpenberger, I think that really ratcheted up the attention on these other things because because the allegations were so cold blooded. And you think to yourself, okay, if she's willing to just to grab do this. to grab somebody off the street and and shoot them. Mm-hmm. Um, then is she willing to do these, uh, you know, I mean, it, mm-hmm. does it make it more likely that she has killed before? And she's even, uh, Dateline, which we haven't mentioned before, but they've done several episodes about this, and when Pam Hupp was going around, she apparently was telling at least one of the people that she tried to get to come to her house that she was a Dateline producer. So, you know, Pam Hupp had very clearly probably watched the episodes about herself and this case and um they showed some footage that has that pam hupp you know made odd statements about insurance to investigators and said if i really wanted money right i I could Mm -hmm. kill my mother right um apparently said that to investigators which in hindsight certainly makes your head turn and at the time right. you know I, I'm not sure what investigators reaction to that was but well yeah. that's a, another question here is um, and maybe this will come to light in the the Russ Furia lawsuit uh, about his wrongful and overturned conviction but uh, you know has there been any fallout on the investigative side of this you know again why why was Hupp sort of overlooked uh, initially um, you know despite the uh, the insurance uh, ties to the situation, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. Has there been a, a satisfying? Well, I guess it's kind of fascinating that? to read or review Pam Hupp's initial um, conversation with the police officers who were investigating mm-hmm. Betsy's for, Betsy Freya's desk, death, because she starts out um, saying, "Oh no, Russ is a great guy, and they got along great," and and then they'd go along with the interview and she'd say, well, there was that one time when he got mad and I don't know what it was, kicked the dog or something mm-hmm. like that. But you you could see where she may have been trying to kind of lead them down the, this path mm-hmm. and, and point at Russ. If she was trying to do it, she did a great job because she, you know, she started this thing out by saying, oh, no, he never could have done it. And then kind of by the end was like, oh, well. You know, uh, he wasn't the best. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And she, you know, she, I, the, you know, they didn't really, she was the last person to see Betsy alive right. other than the killer. And so, you know, but for everyone's prejudice or, or perhaps supported belief that spouses are typically responsible, hmm. she might have been more of a suspect. But, you know, they had, you know, they had concerns about Russ's 911 call and, and that his demeanor and things like that. And, you know, it's tough. It's tough to. Monday morning quarterback that because who knows what it's like to find your spouse you know he thought she had committed I think on the 911 call he said she might have committed suicide and she was Mm -hmm. sick with cancer at the time she was going through treatment for cancer right Um, so she was going to die anyway it's just so weird (laughs) (laughs) the whole case the whole case well yeah Uh, and then during these interviews with investigators, which, of course, they have to re-interview people several times, and Pam Hupp every time comes up with new memories. Right. And at one mm. point even says, I remember something now that I didn't before. I've recovered a memory. Um, 
And it seems like each time Russ Faria in her telling gets worse and worse hmm. uh, to the point where at, I, I think at one time she told investigators he tried to smother his wife with a pillow. And it, it just, she, she couldn't stop almost. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, maybe she was trying to make herself useful to prosecutors, but it, it, it did, a, you know, Russ became more and more sinister in her retelling of this mm-hmm. as time mm-hmm. went on. And, and she was never called as a witness in the retrial probably because her story had changed so much. I mean, by the end, she was saying, I saw him in a lurking in a car outside that house that night. You and know, at and, first, she hadn't uh, seen anybody. Right. That was brand new. And, and mm-hmm. she also said that she, you know, one of, the, one of the big things that she came up with after Russ's first trial was that she had actually been in a lesbian relationship with Betsy. And, uh, and she hadn't said anything about that right. before the <laughs> first trial. And it it's such an again just an odd thing to say. Why would you mm-hmm. need to kind of support your claim of friendship and closeness with a, a good friend of yours by suddenly saying, you know, we were more than friends? Right. And, and if you if you believe it, it provides Russ with another motive for this because she went on to say that he was jealous and mm-hmm. enraged and, and threatened her. Right because of this and so you know but she also in that subsequent civil suit said that she had suffered a head injury and had some memory problems and and yet uh, at her her plea hearing it was very interesting the the judge asks kind of one of the the questions that is asked of everyone are are you under any medical conditions or taking any drugs that would impair your judgment right now she very clearly said no um and that was it, it seemed like with every question um, not Pam would kind of say she would pause for a moment as you said and kind of look at her attorney and one of the questions the judge asked is um, you have a right to a speedy trial and she almost perked up at that point and looked at the judge and said something along the lines of uh, I have a question about that for you what's your definition of a speedy trial and the judge very carefully responded Look, you've had that opportunity, and her <laughs> yeah. her attorney even said, you know, but with all the motions and discovery, which is where they the defense attorneys are given a chance to look at the evidence. You know, we could not have gone to trial any faster. Mm-hmm. But you could almost see her reaction, kind of grasping at mm-hmm. maybe this is how I don't have to say, even in this convoluted way, right. that they have the evidence. Yeah, I, I wouldn't well, be shocked uh, if we mm-hmm. if we saw some filings from Pam Hupp from prison, you know, complaining about something in the case. Hmm. Well, maybe that's a, a good point to uh, bring things to a close here. But uh, I don't know, unless you guys have any final thoughts about ways to, again, put uh, this, you know, weird, odd, or as the uh, the prosecutor put it, this middle school, uh, <laughs> um, middle school caliber plot, uh, you know, altogether. Any concluding thoughts to leave listeners with? Stay tuned. I, I just um, have to say that as people discuss the case, there, there's a, there are clear victims here, whether they're victims of Pam Hupp or someone else that we don't even know. And um, Louis Gumpenberger's mother was at the hearing, and, and to lose your son twice in this way, to lose him to an accident, and then to lose him in, in this just insanely cold-blooded way, my heart went out to her. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah that's a yeah. good point well uh, well once again thanks uh beth and robert for joining me uh i'm bryce gray and another reminder that all our podcasts can be found online at stltoday.com slash podcast thanks for listening to the inside the post dispatch podcast Thank you.